And then it ended, and I think the impulse of most people in your life when something ends is to focus on the bad things about it. Like, that's that justifies the end, is let's talk about what was bad, but things that are really, really good can end too, and they can have been great. Let's dig through the mud together We're so glad you're here Join us here each week For Mudlark Welcome to Mudlark. I'm your host, Danny Boltz, and I started this podcast because I believe that our stories are what connect us, especially the darker, more challenging parts of them. The times in my life where I felt the most deeply connected and okay are within those moments of truth speaking and ruthless vulnerability with another person. Here we talk about topics surrounding inner child, addiction, friendship love, sex, creativity, connection, community. Really, this is the place where we talk about all the things, especially the things that are sometimes just simply hard to talk about. I'm not here to bring you big names, you guys. I'm here to bring you big topics. And now it's time for us to dig through the mud together. Let's go. Hi, you guys. Welcome to episode six of Mudlark. I'm so glad you're here. I'm currently sitting cozied up on the floor at the Montana house looking out at the most gorgeous view I've ever seen in my life. Um, I don't know how I always forget just the peacefulness, the beauty of the space that we have, but it was like the second I crossed the Montana border a couple days ago to meet high my shoulders just instantly melted. (laughs) I just was like, holy shit, I've been moving so fast and just not giving myself enough time for sitting and just being a soft girl. So I'm just really happy to be here and I'm happy to be uh, recording this last minute intro. And I am really excited to share Brittany Robinson with you today. Before we hop into the episode, I do want to share a listener review. It is from Pirate Queen 17, and the title is My Morning Inspiration. It's a five-star review. Can't praise this podcast enough. It's exactly what I've needed during this time in my life. Feeling down in my own rock bottom, trying to navigate some life transitions, and find inspiration to increase my own confidence, this podcast has been a true blessing from the universe. I agree with another review that Danny's voice is soothing. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I laugh along with her, find it to be upbeat, but she also gets down into the feelings that is needed and gives you the reminders to take a deep breath through it all. I've listened to so many inspirational type podcasts, trying to find one that I vibe with, and this is finally it. She connects the dots in a way that makes me say, aha, I get it now. Thank you and keep going. We need it. Pirate Queen. I think I recognize your name too from Instagram. Thank you so much for this review. This is the most beautiful thing I've ever read and I just really appreciate you taking so much time to write that out and I just feel you and I'm so freaking glad you're here. Thank you. Um, To move on to the episode today, I'm talking with Brittany Robinson who is not only one of my really good friends, but she's just this amazing storyteller. She is a writer professionally. She has been writing her whole life. She tells us all about traveling across country. She's done it multiple times. She shares some really amazing stories about her trips, her time on the road. And we talk about a lot of juicy things in this episode, you guys. We talk about abortion. We talk about breakups. We talk about the importance of boredom. It's jam-packed, and I can't wait for you to get to know Brittany Robinson. She's great. You'll love her. So without further ado, let's move on to my conversation with Brittany. I'll see you on the other side. 
like as a little kid? Like, where do you, where were you born? Just kind of paint the picture of who you are. Okay. Oh, gosh. Um, I was born in the D.C. area in Virginia, Fairfax County, and was there until I was about eight years old. And then began the moving cross country for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. um, and you moved with your family yeah, quite my, a bit? Yeah, my family moved to California when I was eight. Okay. And that's where I discovered how hard it is to lose friends and yeah. acclimate to a new place. That was a, a really hard time for me as a little yeah. eight year old. It's funny that eight year olds can have so much uh, attachment and heartbreak around friendships yeah. at that age, but I, I really had a hard time with it. And um, my whole family really had a hard time with it. Actually, we really missed the mm. East Coast. And then a couple years later, moved back. Um, and then I grew up mostly in Connecticut, uh, went to school in New York. I didn't, I don't think I even knew that you moved to California. Yeah, maybe not. I did not know that. Two years. That's That's why my face was doing that. I know you guys can't see my face right now, but she was talking. I was like frowning massively because I'm like, wait, I thought I knew everything about you. Yeah, (laughs) you know most things. Yeah, I had a two year weird blip. Whoa. So from eight to ten. Yeah. Where in California? Uh, near San Francisco. Okay. Yeah, which was pretty formative, actually. I think I went to a camp for the first time in those years mm. with school and, like, went on a hike for the first time. And oh, cool. Experienced the Redwoods and, like, mm. became this weird little kid who w- wanted to run away to the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing has changed. <laughs> yeah. And me and my best friend uh, made pretty elaborate plans when I was like nine to run away to Yosemite National Park. You and you were just in Yosemite, oh, weren't you? Oh, you were yeah, in, yeah. yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You were in Yellowstone. I'm excited to talk about that. And so do you feel like that's a big part of like why you've been so drawn to the Pacific Northwest? Like being in, I mean, California isn't Pacific Northwest necessarily, but it's West Coast. It is. Yeah. And I think I, as much as I've been a city person, for most of my life, yeah. I, there's always been this part of me that just longs to escape to the woods. I know. It's <laughs> like, I think we need, we need both, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? So you moved back and you were in Connecticut and then you were there for the rest of your childhood? Yeah, middle school and high school. I was in Connecticut and okay. then I went away to college in New York. Yeah. And then after college, wanted to get the heck out of there. I got the itchy feet at some point and <laughs> everyone was going to New York City and I didn't want to do what everyone else was doing and follow right. the pack of people that I knew. So it went to Chicago mm. and I got an, a degree in arts journalism. Okay. And you were there for four years or how long were you in Chicago? Um, I was in Chicago for three years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what was that like compared to New York? Um, well, I didn't live, I hadn't lived in New York City yet, but okay. still to come, I had lived in Poughkeepsie, New York. Okay. So Chicago is the first big city on oh, my own, okay. which was exciting. Okay. I moved there not really knowing anyone and mm. just loved like trying to navigate a new transit system and new neighborhoods. Yeah. And that was the first time I had done that on my own. And you I just really went there it. on your own. Did you get your own apartment? And- uh, I found an apartment on Craigslist and a roommate on Craigslist and I awesome. talked to her on the phone once and I drove out there. <laughs> You're like, I'll see you in a week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. Yeah. And did you like your college experience there? Um, yeah. At the Art Institute, that was um, I got my master's there and it was a little strange. We were kind of a, a guinea pig program. Mm. It was not your traditional journalism school. So it was more focused on arts criticism. Oh, OK. And I kind of went with a different intent. I wanted a more creative approach to journalism, mm-hmm. not specifically fine arts focused. Um, but most of my teachers and most of my classmates were art history buffs. And oh, wow. So it was a little bit different than what I anticipated. But I learned a lot and got to workshop my writing for the first time. And right. And when you so you always knew you wanted to be a writer. Did you always yeah, know that? Yeah. Ever since you were little? Ever since I was little. How young did you start writing and loving it? Uh think before we moved to California so I must have been like seven I oh my like wrote a, a novel for Did my you? mom for her birthday oh I love that what was it about it was about maybe it was in California because it was about the outdoors and I don't think I really had access to the outdoors in Virginia besides maybe the tree in our front yard <laughs> but it was about a bunch of orphans who lived in a cave and oh my god they rescued orphan animals do you still have it um she should 
but I don't think she does. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, mm, I'll keep that in my memory. Uh, they've moved a lot. They've so moved a things lot. Things get yeah. shuffled around. Right. It, it might have been lost in one of those. I'm always so in, impressed when there's people that are doing now what they have always done and always mm-hmm. been drawn to. Like, I just think that's the neatest thing. Do yeah. you feel like that's just... I don't know. That's always been in you. That's always been in your blood. It has. And I definitely tried to do different things that sounded more practical. I went to undergraduate for advertising and then I went to graduate. Well, no, then I realized I really wanted to be writing. Yeah. Um, But it was always like, oh, maybe this should be a hobby and I should find something that's or for a long time. I I worried that it should be more of a more of a hobby than a career right and I mean we're kind of told that I Mm -hmm. think you know so much I I remember growing up with artist grandparents and they're just like yeah starving artists like you just hear that and you're like fuck well okay I guess that's gonna be my hobby then yeah which is Mm -hmm. really exhausting to uphold that um, I know image of the starving artist I've I know. Done it. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just really sucks. I don't like it. Yeah. And so then you moved to New York City. Yeah. After Chicago, I went to New York. Okay. And what made you go there? Um. So after Chicago, well, when I graduated, I planned a three-month backpacking trip through Southeast Asia. Okay. And wow. I was gonna go back to Chicago, but I actually I went through a pretty rough breakup right before leaving. And while I was there, my best friend in Chicago decided to move to New York City while I was in Southeast Asia. And as the trip came to a close, the thought of going back to everything I had left yeah. uh, became a little overwhelming. And I just wanted something new. And yeah. You needed start. a fresh start. Yeah, one of those mm-hmm. times in your life. When I totally get it's just that. Easier to bail. Yeah. <laughs> And so you moved to New York and what was your life like there? Can you kind of paint the picture like day to day life for you? Yeah, um, I think one of the most illustrative experiences of New York was when me and my friend were trying to find our first apartment. Yeah. New York's a very big city. It's very overwhelming when you don't know the different neighborhoods and how far everything is from the other thing. So we had all these appointments lined up and we're trying to view a place like in deep Far out Brooklyn and then in yeah. Manhattan, like 20 minutes apart. So essentially we spent a whole day like spending what very little money we had on subway fare and missing <laughs> every single appointment. That we had to look at apartments and we were so sad and defeated by the end of the day. And we just felt like we're never going to be a part of this city that we that you're supposed to be a part of if you're a writer. Right. How are we going to make this work? We're so broke. You're like, Carrie Bradshaw, where are you? Where, just let us come live with you. beautiful apartment? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And so, so were you guys like staying in a hotel at that time? Uh, or? We were crashing at one of her friend's places. So, she, yeah. Couches. Okay. <laughs> so that night we were like fuck it, we're going to see a scary movie because that's something we both like. And we spent like what little money we had left on our credit cards on movie tickets. I love that so much. And then like 20 minutes into the movie where it was just getting scary, the power went out in the theater. Absolutely not. (laughs) That <laughs> we both just started weeping. Oh my god! You're like, well, what has happened to our lives? Yeah. Oh my god! And we left the theater and. We went to like a CVS and bought cigarettes for her and M&M's for me. And we went and sat on the steps of someone's brownstone, some rich person's home. And we should not have been sitting there. It is a movie. I just cried. Oh, <laughs> but you found a place eventually. But we found a place in Harlem and lived there for a year. And then we both got jobs and it worked out surprisingly well, considering yeah how difficult it seemed at first and so why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about where you are now today sure yeah I mean it's kind of like a fast forward but I mean you're in New York and then there's things that happen yeah but now you're here in Portland now I live in Portland yeah 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 um I moved to to Portland uh five years now Mm -hmm. five years ago and now I am the managing editor of an online magazine that's part of it of an app it's called the dirt um, campground reviews and uh, search platform for campgrounds. So I manage mm. the digital magazine end of that, and I also do freelance writing on the side. It's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. When I met you, we met because you were actually interviewing me, mm-hmm. and that was when I was living in my airstream at the time at the base of Mount Hood. Yeah. You came up there. It was just like the weirdest, coolest moment. You know, Brittany and I met each other, and the second we met, it was like. There you are. 
Is, yeah, don't you feel that? I like know it was, you. yeah, it was just like instant connection. And um, you want to talk about like what you were interviewing, yeah, at the time and kind of what that project was. Oh gosh, yeah, I miss doing yeah. projects like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a time when I was a full time freelancer and I was writing a story for Curbed about how single women are redefining the idea of home for themselves. Yeah, so I think that. We're often taught that home is the place for a family. And until you have that family, you're aspiring to have that family and then make a home. Right. But family I, first, then home. Yeah. Right. But I really, I was, uh, I bought a house a few years ago and that was, we met not long after I bought the house. And I right. Was it was really, really recent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was really um, interested in the idea of how people make a place feel like home and how they find a place that feels like home when there's not that family root there that that established sense of what it's supposed to be. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I was really intrigued when I met you because I always ask questions that I'm kind of looking for the answers for. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like talking about things or teaching things that I need to learn. And so when I met you, I was like, hmm, I wonder where she's interested in this topic. And you were single at the time and you just bought this house. But you were also really interested in maybe living a little more nomadically, like Mm -hmm. maybe getting a trailer of your own. Did And then very recent or not recent. Blah, blah, blah. Beep. That's how I remember to edit it. Um, And then not too long after that interview, you went and bought a van. I mean, it was a little while, but not that long. Not that long, yeah. I was really obsessed with the idea of tiny living before I met you. And then I met you and was like, oh my God, I want it. She's like, she can do it. I can do it. So cute. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did that work for you? Because you had just bought a house Mm -hmm. and then you bought a van. Yeah. That was a a different order of events than usual, I guess. So yeah. Yeah, I bought the house, and uh, as I tend to do, I immediately <laughs> <Notice> the <sigh. laughs> got restless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, making commitments freaks me out sometimes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought the house, and then I was like, ah, what if I want to leave? Right. I, I think I want to leave now. So I, I really liked the idea of being able to travel for stories. I was always pitching stories that took place in different places and I wanted to be able to travel and pursue those. So the idea of having a van and being mobile um, really appealed to me. And then a mortgage for one person is a lot to handle. So I also put this idea together that I could make some money with the van because I would rent the house out whenever I left. So I would have this combination of freedom and mobility freedom and a little bit more financial freedom if I could Airbnb my house when I was traveling right so I tried that how did that work for you (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys I do know she is one of my best friends so there's like some of these like giggly moments of like so tell us next tell everyone else about tell everyone else about this shit show no I'm just kidding (laughs) it's kind of a shit show no but I I love the story because it got you to where you are so Yeah. yeah talk about that I think if I actually like put it down in a spreadsheet, the van probably didn't work. But <laughs> yeah, if I don't add up the numbers, it feels like it did. Yeah, totally. For the time being, I definitely I made some good money Airbnb and I was regularly moving into the van um, and, and having other people sleep in my house when I was living in the Okay, so back up a little bit. When I bought the van, I was freelancing. And right after I bought it, I got a full-time job. That's right. That was in office, no remote work. So my dreams of traveling all over the place were quickly... Were burned to the ground. They were over (laughs) for the time being. Um, (laughs) Bye-bye. So um, living in a van in a city is less romantic than living in a van in a national park and opening your back doors to like a sunset over hills and forests yeah instead you were opening your doors to the Baghdad theater so you had a place to go poop in the morning yeah (laughs) I was parking as close to the bathrooms that people wouldn't yell at me for using (laughs) I understand that god I understand it so well and that's why I'm laughing so hard because like I mean there were times in my airstream because I didn't have the toilet hooked up Mm -hmm. you know and I'm sorry for any of those of you who were like visitors of mine and I didn't tell this dirty little secret to but if I was like I remember being in a gas station once pulling up late at night with the airstream in tow Uh and pissing in the sink 
oh you told me that and yeah i started peeing in my sink too (laughs) you took some notes like a a lot yeah like daily (laughs) you did didn't you yeah once you do it it's like well well i have a toilet now not making food there but yeah convenient (laughs) oh my gosh so how did that work with dating that's what i want to know because Uh, you were living in your van a lot i was like Like a lot probably half time um i was single during that time uh Bringing someone home is a little trickier. Yeah. Well, I didn't do it much. Yeah. Maybe. Why don't you paint a picture of what that looked like? You don't have to paint the whole picture, but just give us an idea. Yeah. I, I think it only happened once. And yeah. It was a woman that I was dating and we went on a few dates and we went out for <laughs> Pride Festival and we're out all day and then all night drinking and she knew that I was in the van. And yeah. It was kind of a joke like oh we're gonna take me back to your van tonight and (laughs) And you're like actually she was visiting from out of town so it was like well yes oh my god that's the only place we have to go so i mean it worked out it's kind of weird to wake up in the morning with someone and be like i don't have a bathroom we need to find starbucks oh my god (laughs) you can just leave it's a good way to get rid of people fast if you don't want them there i can (laughs) see it being pretty uncomfortable like early on Mm -hmm. but Hi and I, because I mean, for the almost six months that I was living in the Airstream here, you know, just this last this yeah. year, like moving here in December, our toilet, we didn't have it hooked up. Oh, so right. yeah. every morning we'd get up, we'd have a cup of coffee and then we're like, OK, it's time to go to Fred Meyer. Like it was oh, just right. like, yeah. And so when I got there, it's like we've been together, though, almost four years. And it was kind of like this cute little funny ritual. It's like, it's time to go poop together. Yeah, we're gonna go poop. We're gonna go to Fred Meyer, or we're gonna go to the gym and not work out and just go to the bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, that's a really frustrating detail of using Starbucks for your bathroom because you have to you feel like, well, I felt like I had to buy something every time I went in. So I'd get a coffee and just restart the cycle. Oh, (laughs) You're like, well, here we go again. Well, shoot. Now I need to stay an hour until I need to go again. (laughs) I know. I know it. Um, So you were living in the van part time. You were living in your house also. And then what happened? So you've you've sold your house since and you've sold the van. So where are you living? I sold everything. You sold everything. (laughs) Yeah, just it got a little complicated. It was a lot of things to keep clean and to... Uh, figure out logistics for turning over the house and moving my stuff between the van and the house and losing things all the time. It was overwhelming, especially with a full-time job. So I realized that the house was a little bit more than I needed and that I actually don't really like doing house stuff. I thought that it sounded really romantic to have a garden and like redecorate. You're like, I actually want someone to do that for me. I hate it. You hate it. (laughs) Maybe. I love that about you. (laughs) It's so funny to me because it's so opposite of me. I know. You're so good at those things. You're like, fuck this. I mean, I love decorating, but I don't want to fix anything. No. I just want to paint the walls and hang pictures. Yeah. So um, you you hated doing housework. You realized, oh, I actually fucking hate having a house. I hate yeah. doing this. I miss being in a place where I could walk. I was kind of on the far reaches of town where it's more of a driving neighborhood. And right. I missed having coffee shops and bars right outside. And yeah. Because you were in Lentz neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. You were out. Deep always. southeast Portland. Right. Um, it just wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted for, mm-hmm. especially for living alone. It was kind of lonely out there in a big house by myself. Yeah. So I sold the house. Right. And I moved to Northwest Portland, which feels yeah. a lot more like Brooklyn. Right. Kind of feels yeah. like home. <laughs> I remember um, being so shocked when mm. you were buying another house because oh, I was yeah. like, what? Since you don't, didn't want. Yeah, but it's, I, I don't think it was the mortgage so much. It was like being, it's where the house was. Yeah. It was living in a bigger house by yourself. Mm-hmm. It was like all of these things that just, it, it wasn't the right house. Yeah. And I really didn't think that I wanted to own again. Yeah. Um, I wanted more freedom and right. renting just sounded so nice. Calling a landlord and having them fix this toilet when it breaks. Uh, right. But I found a place that I just really loved and yeah. It's it, to me made good investment sense to buy a yeah. property again when I could. Otherwise, I'd probably just spend everything that I made off the house. Yeah, and, on IPA. Yeah, exactly. IPA like you do. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing that you and I have always connected on, I feel like, is like we love the routine and the ritual and the coziness of home, but we're mm-hmm. also like so itching to like leave at any given moment now that you I mean you sold the van you don't have the van but you have a nice car that you can sleep in if you want to 
I'm curious, like, how do you find the balance of kind of like that wanting to be home and have that cozy comfort of home and Mm -hmm. travel? I think that I finally accepted that I'm, I don't, I'm not going to commit to one or the other. Right. I, you can have this both. idea that like you need to eventually settle down and stop doing the other thing or be someone who travels all the time. I am a homebody. And after I've been home for a while, I want to get the hell out and go somewhere and have an adventure. And I've just accepted that I can't predict what I'm going to want in a yeah. couple of months, but mm-hmm. um, I've learned to focus on finding the freedom to travel when I want to travel and stay home and nest and be a lazy butt when I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, hi and I talk about this constantly and I talk about it with my students a lot is like we live in this culture where I feel like we're forced to like say, well, do you want that or that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what if I want this and that? And you, you can know? change your mind. Yeah. And you can, times. you can change your mind so many times and it's there's no rules yeah. as to how that looks like maybe some people won't get it, but that doesn't fucking matter. Mm hmm. Yeah, I love that you finally like accepted that. I'm in the same place, though. We're similar in that. I'm yeah. like just accepting that I don't have to pick Montana or Oregon. You don't. I just you, want both of them. And you might suddenly want to pick. Yeah. But you don't have to right now. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> um, I'd love to pivot a little bit into just talking about your writing and your creativity. Like, can you tell me about like your creative process? Like, what does that look like when you're just sitting there to write when it's not a job, when it's just for your own creative enjoyment? Mm. Oh God. (laughs) It's the thing that tortures me always. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, I guess there are two different approaches that I have, not approaches, but ways that I fall into writing. One is trying to pitch publications for Mm. articles that I want to write for someone else. And the other is writing whatever I am feeling at the time, which is just journaling, I guess. But that often turns into something more. Um, I'm a morning writer. I love the idea of being someone who can drink a bottle of wine at 10 o'clock and like write till four. And but like, I'm not I that girl. I bed at like nine. So <laughs> yeah, I wake up in the morning and make coffee and sit down and read for like 20 minutes and then I often write immediately after reading something that I really love oh I love that that's your morning ritual yeah every morning yeah I fucking love that yeah I can't like get up and go to work that's like so depressing to me I have to right eat I need like three hours to ease into my day and do something that's for me first even if that's for me in a professional independent sense yeah as long as it's something I want to be doing. I love that. I remember the first sleepover we had, (laughs) (laughs) but I I was staying at your house and I remember waking up because you had to work that next day and you woke up so early, like way, and I'm a morning person. I was like, fuck yeah, finally someone who's up with me, you know, and you got up, you lit a candle, you got your coffee, you just walked and moved slowly. And I was like, she knows. Mm-hmm. She knows how to do mornings. Mornings are sacred. They are. They're I feel so that. They're so important to me. They're so important. Yeah. And they're so important to have moments of alone time, I feel like, in the morning too. Yeah. You know, just having, even if it's a moment, I mean, I live with my husband, obviously, but just even if it's going outside for five minutes and mm-hmm. just having a moment to be like centered and be like, here I am. Hi, day. Here I am. It's you really know? important. I got that from my mom, actually. She gets up like an hour before my dad does and just mm. sits on the couch and drinks her coffee and needs yeah. that time to get started. Is your mom pretty creative? She is. Yeah, she's um, she's an interior design. She focuses mm. on, on window treatments. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. So she definitely has a creative side. And what about your dad? Um, he is also, he's in the home audio business. So music, I guess is his creative outlet. Cool. He doesn't really make music anymore, but he has in the past and yeah. is very passionate about music. And your mom was passionate about what she does. Mm-hmm. huh? Yeah. Very. That's such an amazing thing to grow up around. Yeah. That those things clash because my mom likes things to look really pretty. And my dad likes really big speakers. Yeah, big speakers, more like <laughs> utilitarian. Pretty, yeah. He's like, I just need this to sound yeah, good. It's loud. Yeah, she's like, but let's put a little like trim on that. <laughs> yeah. Put it in a cabinet and hide it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. And you have any? Do you have any siblings? Yep, I do. I have two siblings. I'm the oldest. I have yeah. a sister who's thirty, and a brother who's twenty three. Are they creative? Or do they have? I, everyone's creative. I won't yeah. say it like that. Do they have creative outlets like you do? 
Um, I would not say that that is that's what they lean towards. Right. I'm sure they do, but not public ones I know about. I'm sure they have their own thing, but right. Um, the interests that they talk about are not so much creative ones. Right. I'm the weirdo in the family, I guess. Yeah. Or well, it's, I mean, so your sister, she has a family, doesn't she have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a mom. Okay. And your brother, does he have kids? He No, he's he's the young and he's 10 years younger than me. So he's, he's just, a baby. Yeah. He's going to grad school this year. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Love that. I'm always interested in hearing about people's families, especially like creatives. I'm like, what was it like? How did you they know? shape you? Yeah. How did they shape you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I grew up with half of my family. So like my dad's side being like immensely creative, you know, artist, architect, photographer, all of it. And then my mom's side, like she's, I almost feel like had to kind of turn her creative creativity off to like mom. Mm, Yeah. You know, mom did that as well. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's so interesting because it's like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's what makes someone creative and then how do some people continue to be creative and then some just shut it down? Like how, yeah, I don't I know. Some people are more drawn to torture themselves with trying to make it work for their whole lives. Yeah, forever. <laughs> yeah, and totally. Like, fuck this. I'm doing something else. Yeah. But so what does your life look like right now? My life is it has a pretty standard routine. I, I work a nine to six job. I I got really into trail running last year, so I run pretty regularly. I go to Forest Park on the weekends, which is really close to my new condo, and I go for long trail runs, and a couple nights a week, I usually go climbing at the climbing gym in town, and a couple nights a week, I go out with friends for drinks, and yeah, I'm newly single, so not really dating at the moment, more just focusing on myself and yeah, spending a lot of time writing actually I guess I'm leaving that part out um yeah in the mornings right that routine I talked about that's that's really important to me and I've been really sticking to that lately which feels good Mm. does life feel good it does yeah yeah I work-wise it's not exactly what I want to be doing but I see the path to what I want to be doing and that feels really good so um it makes doing some things that aren't so creatively fulfilling feel okay right now. In the interim. In the interim. Because it's, yeah. it's getting me to the place that I need to go. And I can see, I can see it's going to, I, I feel good that it's going to work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you were freelancing and now you are working for someone. But it's like, you know, there is this kind of, I feel like in our specific culture like being millennials Mm -hmm. you know it's like you just have to only be doing exactly what you want which you hear me kind of preach because I love what I do but it's like there are just some times and seasons in life where we have to just be okay with not being 110% fulfilled with our work you know it's like there is benefit there's like financial stability and comfort but then you know that and we need that sometimes we need that as creatives and like not just working for yourself you don't always know Mm -hmm. and there's just kind of a comfort and like an exhale and knowing there is and just like kind of soak in that like while you're in it there's so many unknowns when you're working for yourself which is really intoxicating and exciting in its own way but it's also really draining right so I think I when I'm working a full-time job and doing the same thing every day, I miss that. But if I take a minute to appreciate that I don't have to find the work and make the decisions and do all of the other jobs that aren't writing, like time management and invoicing and all these other things, it is nice to just exhale and Mm -hmm. go with the flow of something that's a little more regular and uh, predictable. Yeah. Like a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Totally. What have you been writing about lately? Um, Lately, I've been getting back to a book that I started. I said the B word. <laughs> <laughs> the B word. That's so uh, funny. A book that I started a couple of years ago about um, road tripping. So I've taken probably five or six cross-country drives at this point. And wow. those have always been really p- 
pivotal moments in my life and Mm. creatively fulfilling times for me. And I'm really interested in the woman on the road and how traditional road trip narratives are very male dominated and kind of focused on conquering the road or having these crazy adventures and they're less introspective, which I feel like, I mean, this is a huge generalization, but female writers, I don't even know if I want to say that, but a a more feminine approach to road tripping might be more introspective. And that's Mm. how mine have been. And uh, yeah, just kind of picking apart growth and exploration for females who are road tripping. So it's kind of like some history of female road trippers, notable ones of the past and or pop culture mixed with my own memoir writing of those experiences. Yeah. It's it when you came back because you you just did a cross country road trip. Was it just last Um, fall? About a year ago. Yeah. Last October. Last October. Mm -hmm. And you went to visit your parents but yeah. that was just like the the destination kind mm-hmm. of can you talk about that trip a little bit and what that was for you just mentally emotionally what what you found on that road trip yeah um I was really craving I was craving the road again uh, that's like my my happy place I love driving and having nothing to do that day except get to an unknown location when I decide to sleep and discovering whatever I discover along the way. Um, and I had been working the nine to six job that I have now for a little while and was feeling antsy. So they were kind enough to grant me some remote work time. And I took a month and first I went to, I did a a friend joined me for the first part and we did the Southwest and she had never seen that before. And that was really exciting to show her this part of the country that I've really fallen in love with and seeing the red rocks of Utah mm. and Arizona and all that. Did desert. she fall in love with she it? She loved it. We cried so much on the trip. Oh, just like of the beauty and just then like also the con- like long conversations surrounded by beautiful scenery. You're it's just so like intense. Out the blubberiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So then we did that part of the road trip together, and then she left, and I went to New Mexico for an assignment with Playboy. I was writing about a van life gathering <laughs> in Taos, New Mexico. Oh my, tell us about that, please. And we'll also link what you wrote about it Oh yeah, in the show notes. Okay. But yeah, talk about that event, please. Yeah, so it was like, uh, gosh, I feel like it was 300 women who all live, most of them who live on the road full time. Some of them were just trying it out or curious about the lifestyle, but they all congregated at this hotel called uh, Hotel Luna Mystica in Taos. Ooh. This just this big high desert field. They had uh, vintage RVs that you could rent to stay at. Oh, cool. But everyone brought their vans, and we had this giant field of vans. And But you did not have your van at that time. No, I had my Subaru. So because was, the van might have not made it there. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> we should go back Surely to that in a bit. Talk about the van. Go very far. <laughs> Someone is living in her now and puttering around town short distances. Have you seen them? Uh, no, but he sent me a picture of the interior. He totally renovated it. it oh, looks cool. Great. I would love to see that. Yeah, we should it. also share some photos of the van in yeah. the show notes. Yeah. That would be fun. So continue. Sorry. Um, yeah. So I was one of the people on the outskirts of the van circle sleeping in a tent, but um, I got to meet <laughs> so many women who were so inspiring. Um this there was one woman in particular who I wrote about uh, who was living in a school bus, a mini school bus uh, with a custom bikini business. She, she had this whole sewing studio set up and her bed and Whoa. it was this cozy little home and her work all in one place. And she mm. just bops around California sleeping at national forests Cute. in beautiful places and running she, this really successful business. Is she on Instagram? She is. What's her um, name on there? Love Martha. L- Love Martha? L-U-V. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. We'll link that also. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing her. You told me about her and I'm like, oh my God, her stuff's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So there is there is a lot of that, just meeting people who have designed these really creative lifestyles mm. and hearing how it works differently for everybody and the challenges they face and making it work and how rewarding it is and how hard it is sometimes. And, um, 
Iral Wolf was the musical guest, and she is incredible. She has a whole album that's kind of inspired by van life. She uh, travels and lives part time, I think, in a Westphalia, um, but her music is so good. We'll <laughs> so good. <laughs> we will link to that. Yeah, I remember you. You're like you have to listen to the song. It was like the what was it? What is it called? Photos on the wall. Oh yeah. Is it photos on the wall? It was yeah. It was about like wanting to make a home somewhere. Somewhere. It was you when I listen when mm-hmm. I listened to that song. I was it like made me want to cry because I know like you and travel like that's I'm just so attracted to your drive to like go everywhere. Yeah. Just finding home. But then wanting to hang up pictures somewhere. Yeah. Also. Yeah. So how long was the event that you were at? Um, I was just there for a weekend. Okay. And then I had only taken like a week off of work to get that drive done. So I had like two days to get from, I guess I had three days to get from New Mexico to Connecticut. Oh my gosh. So that was a lot of driving. Yeah. What do you think about when you're driving for that long? Oh, your mind goes to weird places, but I think I've like come up with some really good writing ideas on the road in those boredom is just something that we never get anymore it's important it's so easy to fill your when you're like almost bored you tap your phone and you open something up and when you're driving I I have to admit I am guilty of in severe bouts of boredom on the road of still tapping my phone and open something (laughs) (laughs) only when the road is very empty yeah (laughs) Um, but for the most part driving is a really good way to be forced to be bored and let your mind wander and I I really value that even though it feels a little bit torturous yeah how do you log down your ideas do you like put them in iPhone notes or something or do you just I should really learn how to do voice memos I usually have a pen and paper on the passenger seat and I'll like write without looking at it and then it's barely legible but I I definitely take notes when I drive sometimes that would be so cute to have some pictures in your book that you end up writing Mm. um of like your chicken scratch on oh, the yeah. seat. <laughs> I have a lot of How those. cute would that be? I like that. Yeah. Oh. They probably look sound really weird without context, but that's yeah. part of the fun, I guess. Do you feel like your drive to travel is you trying to tap into your creative essence? Yes. Yes. That's I like the think main so. thing. Yeah. I think uh routine is really great and it can be inspiring in its own way because you find your comfortable places where you do feel inspired but seeing and hearing and smelling new things there's really no it's hard to replace that for finding new ideas and thinking about things in different ways right has writing for you been a way of healing in any way I mean like what does that look like I know yeah I know it is for me and it's just like being able to actually put thoughts out on paper but what does that look like for you yeah, I've, I've probably written about every past relationship. So it's writing is a way to, to organize your thoughts. A story has a beginning, a middle and an end. And sometimes when you're dealing with emotional things, it's it's trying to make sense of them and putting them into a narrative format kind of give you gives you it gives you structure around it. And there's something comforting around that. Mm. So. Um, That is definitely healing for me. I love that so much. It's giving it an end. Also, Mm -hmm. it's not just allowing just the crazy thoughts that we have to just take over our whole day. I mean, maybe it'll still pop up, but you know, there's an end to it. It's just a thing. It's a thought. It's yeah. I love that. I've never thought of that. that Yeah. Emotions are so hard to, I I feel like I'm so much better at expressing things when I have some time to think and write about them. Yeah. And when you're feeling something that's really, really horrible, it can feel like part of what's horrible is like you can't share it with someone else. You can't tell someone. You can't make them feel that. You don't want to make them feel that. But that's a frustrating, isolating experience to have something in you that you don't think anyone else understands. But writing it down gives it that shape Mm. where you can kind of hold it and pass it off in a way. And people can relate to it. And that... Yeah. That's Do you comforting. feel like you have shared a lot of your work of just, I mean, just have you written a lot of things 
just coming from experience, like straight up experience that you've shared with the world? Or has it been like going, I mean, of course, like going to that, that event, that was mm-hmm. your experience being there, but like hard shit that's happened in your life. Like, is that shit that you've written about and then shared? Yeah. Yeah. I, Tell I think- us about it. <laughs> Uh, I think mostly my parents are often surprised when I write about really personal things because I, maybe you can speak to this, but I can be a little bit closed off with people. It takes me some time to warm up and share the details. Um, But when I'm writing, it's kind of like, well, this is my job and this is my style of writing. So I don't mind just like getting dirty right away and sharing the juicy stuff. So um, yeah, I've written about, I would say that most of my writing is first person experience experience driven and it's about things I've been through in life I've written about breakups and abortion and uh family stuff yeah did you ever have (laughs) no yeah yeah. alcohol abuse let's say yeah yeah and did you ever experience like massive vulnerability hangover after submitting things yeah yeah uh Writing about abortion was pretty scary. That's yeah. something that you just have to be prepared for. Right. A lot of people to disagree with you on and there's no getting around that. And people can be really mean online. And I've never been one to shy away from reading the comments. It's probably not <laughs> like, what are you saying? Thing, but I definitely read them. <laughs> You're like going on. They're like, oh, what are they saying today? You motherfucker. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one got ugly. Oh, um, what did, where, where was that article? Uh, that was for the Washington Post. Is that something we can share in the show notes? Yeah, sure. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, do you want to share a little bit about that article and that experience? And sure. I mean, that was one of the biggest like vulnerability yeah. hangovers for you. So that what was, was that? Uh, yeah. So the article was specifically about um, how abortion is supposed to be this very private thing that women tend to deal with without telling many people about it there's shame around it and there's expectations of how you should feel about it you should feel really sad or you should feel bad that you made this mistake or everyone has opinions so I think it's something that most people keep to themselves for the most part and right that's fine that it that might be healthier for some people um but I found a lot of comfort in finding ways to talk to talk about it and it realizing that a lot of my female friends have been through the same thing yeah and it's kind of like that elephant that no one talks about yeah but um I'm very pro-choice and yeah putting it out there felt good right um were you scared about um like your family knew that you had an abortion no they? were you afraid about well, that my mom did um you know yeah I they've not read that article they haven't read that no. one yeah I don't yeah, the, um, they wouldn't have a problem with it themselves, but then you get into the family politics of religion on certain sides where there would definitely people be people that would not be supportive of that decision and would not want to hear about it. So, right. There are some, there's some things that I write that I only share on outlets that family members have limited access to. Yeah, that's interesting. And is that mostly because... I mean, this is Mudlark, you know, we dig through the mud, we go a little deeper. I I guess I'm just, I'm curious. I mean, you're putting work out into the world for anyone to read, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like family is the one where you're kind of like, but not Aunt Joe. Yeah, right. Not mom. I would so much rather put it out to a million strangers. Yeah. Is it feeling, is it you feeling just like afraid of what they'll think of you or what is the, what do you feel like that, that root is? I think it's more not wanting to cause issues like between other family members. Hmm. Um, Maybe that's something I need to throw out the window, but yeah. Yeah. I think there are family members that I just don't have that close of relationship with, and it feels easier to leave those controversial table topics off the table. Right. You're Um, like, I'll just see you next Thanksgiving. It'll be fine. It'll be six hours. Let's hang out and then I'll go. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. And social media is such a weird beast where people feel like they have to respond to things they don't agree about, agree with. And I don't really want to start like bickering on an article between family members or something weird like that. Um, Right. So it's definitely easier to throw it out to people. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Let them duke it out without 
uh, Thanksgiving coming up the next totally. year. <laughs> I get it. I, I feel that way, especially with the podcast, because I know my, a lot of my family knows that this is happening and they're really excited and mm-hmm. supportive. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you might listen. That's and it's, it's weird. Cause it's like, there's not a friend in the world. There's not, um, a stranger in the world that I'm afraid of mm-hmm. hearing the ugly parts, but then it's there's family. it's family and I just think it's we're so deeply connected to our family I mean obviously biologically yeah. but it's there is so much there and it, I love trying to unpack what that is you know and I think the more that we can kind of try to strengthen that muscle that mm-hmm. we can we can speak the truth of who we are and also set that boundary and I'm speaking to myself because I have to do this constantly with my family is like I set that boundary of the love that I give you is unconditional truly and if you can't love me Mm -hmm. unconditionally I don't want it yeah and you are a fierce unconditional lover (laughs) yeah I love people and so do you and I I just I think the more that we can just do that it can really inspire even the people we wouldn't think to just speak true yeah I was you know I was definitely raised in a family and this is not it's not a criticism but raised in a family where the tough stuff like if it's not necessary to talk about maybe let's not right um and like let's not go there let's just keep it simple keep it simple yeah and you know stuff festers and i let i i have that habit i let stuff fester yeah but writing and giving it to strangers also get it out there again. you're like let me puke on you <laughs> i don't know you no i'm just kidding just don't tell my mom you don't tell my mom no i love that though that you have found that outlet because mm-hmm. you recognize that in yourself and i love our friendship because I, I feel like I, we, we both see each other and we yeah. both know each other. And like, I can always tell because I know that your go-to is like, I'm going to keep this in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to process, let it pass on my own because you are so independent. Um, but then I love that I can like see it in your eyes. And I'm you like, it what it's terrifying. is in there? <laughs> and then if I don't hear from you for a while, I'm like what's she going through that she doesn't want me to know well as soon as i see danny if i'm processing something i it's time to talk about it because she's like okay what's up i'm like i don't know yet uh, you just start crying and run away i'm not ready i think that's just like the empath in me because i've always felt that and it's I don't know. I don't know. I love it because I feel like I can see my people. Yeah, I love it too. But beat it out of me sometimes. (laughs) You're talking about this now. Um, I want to talk to you about relationships a little bit. Mm, Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Um, When you are traveling, do you feel like there's any kind of like, because you're single right now newly single is there like any of that like romanticized like idea that maybe you'll meet someone on the road yeah does everyone fantasize about like falling in love with the person next to them on the plane yeah <laughs> like, like i think that's a thing that hot guy that gets on you're like that hot you're woman. gonna have my babies you're like, please sit here <laughs> let's make out before we land in laguardia please <laughs> uh, that doesn't happen <laughs> nothing like that ever happens <laughs> you you do not sit by the hottest guy on the plane no, no. and when you're driving across you sit country, by the you yeah. sit by the voice in your podcast and you fall in love with ira glass all over over and over again <laughs> yeah. but i i just am curious because i haven't done a ton of road tripping but i remember like in my previous relationship when i was definitely still looking even when I was in that relationship, mm-hmm. I remember my trips back to Oregon. I was just like, who am I going to meet? Yeah. You know, it's fucked up. Like, cause I was in a relationship, but I remember that thought. So I was wondering if you felt that way. Yeah. I think there is always, uh, well, there's just inherent loneliness on the road, which I've come to kind of embrace. Uh, I feel like you're like brittle and vulnerable and capable of tapping into things that don't always come out when you're lonely there's something there that wow 
uh, I think is valuable. I think loneliness is something we should all experience and learn to embrace a little more. So with loneliness comes longing for company. And when you're on the road and you're by yourself, that's a constant, I think. And I don't often, I, I meet a lot of people, but I've never, I haven't often met romantic prospects on the road. Right. Um, which, which is okay. It is okay. Yeah. And then you get back home where you have routine mm-hmm. and you have familiar faces that mm-hmm. you see at the coffee shop every day. It's almost like there, there can be this like romanticized version, like idea of that, that travel and that meeting somewhere, one elsewhere when it's like so often it's so close to us every yeah. day and it's right here. And do you feel that when you get home? You're yeah. just like, Oh my God. You come home with a little more appreciation for familiarity for sure. And you also see things differently. I think sometimes I come home and immediately get into that little bit of depression of like, Oh, it's the same thing every day again. But then I think it was on my last trip. I got back and realized like, there's not, you can change little things about your day to day life to make things feel very different. Um, I mean, moving from one side of Portland to another felt like moving across whole country. World. Everything's yeah. different. Your commute's different. Your surroundings are different. You're meeting different people every day. And so I've, I've definitely learned to make like ch- smaller changes. In, oh, I love that. Like what? Um, Like finding new activities, I guess. Like rock climbing is kind of a new one for me. I started going to the gym and outside sometimes and... um. I met my last boyfriend at the rock climbing gym. So, yeah. um, yeah, finding new hobbies, mm-hmm. being open to new friendships, which I'm not always. Sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't have time for the people in my life as it is. But right. Um, but maybe even making room that. for new friends, you know, it could yeah. be like even maybe letting go of yeah. some that aren't yeah, that great. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. I love that. Um, there's something that I've been enjoying asking mm. guests and that is what's something that you want to talk about, but don't. Yeah. You asked me this a few weeks ago and it totally stumped me. <laughs> You're like, why? I like, oh, I don't know. I think so often there are like specific things that we want to share and we're like, I wish someone would ask me about that. Yeah. But I wanted to think of like a more of a, something that has come up more than once. It's more than just one experience that I want to share. And I think something that we don't talk about a lot that I've been thinking about a lot is the value of relationships that end. Mm. Um, I recently got out of a relationship that was a really wonderful relationship with a really kind, loving person who I had a wonderful time with. And we lived together for six months and, it was the first time I had lived with someone and I learned a lot about myself in doing that. And then it's kind of fresh to be talking about, but yeah. um, and then it ended. And I think the impulse of most people in your life when something ends is to focus on the bad things about it. Like th- that's that justifies the end is let's talk about what was bad. But things that are really, really good can end, too. And they can have been great. Yeah. And you can kind of time capsule them in a way and be like that, those memories, like the, why does it have to be bad when you break up? I want to, I want to look, I look back on it fondly already and it doesn't. Yeah. So just like relationships that are worth our time too. I think that if, I don't think there's one relationship in my life that if you had told me when I met that person, that it would end, even the ones that ended really badly, I don't think I would have not wanted to have that experience. Right. They all have value. And it is nice to step back and focus on the positive sides of it. Um, yeah. And I think that's something I, I'm i sure I do it too. And my friend's relationships end. is like not really making space for them to talk about what they what they loved about that and what they got out of it and what was good. And right. We It's easier to just talk shit about the guy I know things feel better but it doesn't I know and I I love that you're saying this right now because it's true like do you remember a time where like a friend like where she was going through a breakup Mm -hmm. and you're like well 
let's talk about like all those amazing things that you guys went through because those are really special and they yeah. really impacted who you are today. Yeah. And it, it's, I guess, uh, some of our aversion to that is because it's sad to talk about the things. And so we try to avoid it. And we don't have any more. But yeah. mourning it is part of the process and oh. going through those motions of being like, that was really good and that's not part of my life anymore. But that's okay because I got something good out of it still. It's so healthy yeah it's I want to help like share that with you with other people because it is important and I remember in my previous breakup Mm -hmm. uh, with Grant I remember even saying to him I was like you've changed my life like Mm -hmm. bawling I was like I love you so much and he was just pissed yeah because he was sad you know and when we're sad we get angry Mm -hmm. that's like a a pretty immediate especially with men you know it's like that's what happens? It's like we get sad and we're just, let's turn this into something that's a little more, con- I have more control over, you yeah, know, because sadness is, is power and so exactly is weakness. Yeah. Or, it, that's well, what we think. And yeah. sadness feels so out of control, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, I just love that idea of like, what if we just felt all our feelings and held space for the people in our lives to talk about their yeah. hurt more and that's what I feel like Mudlark is, like the podcast. Know, it's, it's like I want people to talk about the things that hurt and talk about the the spots inside us that we try to hide from the world. Oh, I love that you're digging in there. Yeah, it's so, so important. Do you feel like you, with this last breakup, were able to really voice that with him? Just how good it was? Yeah, I think I have had. So, yeah, I saw him recently and was able to express some of that and seeing him was really good and he's doing well and I'm doing well. And I think that we've both become better people because of that relationship. So I think we both saw that and Mm. we don't need to harp on it together too much because I think that comes with the risk of falling back in miscommunication, falling back in. But um, I think I saw that we were both, able to acknowledge it yeah which was nice that's so beautiful yeah I love that so are you dating now (laughs) um no 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 just uh just reading in the mornings just reading in the mornings (laughs) I've you know downloaded the apps and swiped a little bit and was like I don't really want to do this you're like you know not yet yeah not yet (laughs) yeah so where what are you working on now so you're working on maybe getting the book finished Mm -hmm. and that's your main project you feel like um, yeah, I'm really, I actually just got back from a writer's treat, retreat that was focused on environmental journalism. Um, and that is a topic, climate change and the environment is something that I'm just really digging into and it's a scary topic and it can be kind of depressing with how rough the future is looking right now, but I feel a renewed sense of urgency around using my skill for this specific mm. topic, um, it was incredible to be around other writers who are passionate and knowledge about knowledgeable about these things. And I, I'm really digging deeper and wanting to learn more and wanting to write about those things more. So Mm. just reading up on all of these topics and I've been working on a lot of pitches for magazines around these topics and yeah, just kind of diving into this new world that's amazing yeah it's a learning probably learning yeah (laughs) the new world of the world ending was that an incredible retreat that you were at oh it was so good Mm, do you want to tell them the name of it like the name of the retreat yes and we can link um, it free flow institute okay cool we'll link it in the show notes yeah and that's just good for i mean writers of all skill level or i would say so there is definitely a variety of experiences on this trip it's a small group. It was just 12 of us and it was two days of backpacking and then four days of rafting and mm. you're outside in nature writing with a pen and paper and not on your laptop and just talking about stuff. And it wow. was really, really effective uh, model, I think. I oh, think we I all got that. a lot out of it, but they do. This one was specifically around environmental issues facing Yellowstone and they do another one 
that's more uh, general outdoor writing. Mm, that sounds so amazing. I definitely the, recommend it. <laughs> yeah, and the pictures. It just looked so beautiful. So just beautiful. being with, it was all women, right? Oh, no. no oh, there was men there too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah, it was mixed. Just being out in nature, oh, writing all day. Like, so, oh, excuse me. It was me. so scary also. I guess <laughs> those, uh, I need a lot of alone time. So the thought of like being stuck with a group of people that I don't know for Seven days was like, I really had to psych myself up for that. (laughs) Then I realized that it was a group of writers who all went to hide from people sometimes. Oh, good. You were all like just introverts and you're like, bye. I don't need to talk anymore. Oh, that's so good. Um, Well, where can people connect with you? You can connect with me on my website. It's BrittanyRobinson.com. Or Instagram is probably the social media platform that I use most. And I'm at... Brit one T seeing stars, <laughs> and we'll link that in the show notes. My as handle well. for a long time. I just so what is it? It's Brit C- seeing. Oh, okay. S e i n g s t a r s. Brit seeing stars. My old travel blog was called Stars on the Ceiling from Oh cute a Dixie Chick song. There you go about traveling in a pink RV with stars on the ceiling. <laughs> that is you. <laughs> I love that. that Handle on everything. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, we'll have to bring you back again. And I'm just so excited to have people connect with you and see your beautiful writing. You're such an amazing writer. Oh, thank you so much. So are you. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Love ya. Love you. Isn't Brittany great, you guys? I love that conversation so much. I can't wait to bring her back on the show if you have not reviewed the podcast yet please do this is what helps the show get into more ears and you know this could really land for someone this could really benefit someone some of these topics any of these topics so please help by reviewing the show and once you do take a screenshot send it to me you could send it over instagram at danny bolts or over to my email hello at danny bolts and I will send over the free access code into the mini course that I'm releasing this November. I'm so glad you were here. Thank you for being here and I will see you again on Thursday. Bye!